Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The Archdiocese has accepted 17 men into the newest seminarian class, the largest in the Archdiocese of Baltimore in at least 36 years. The addition of 17 new seminarians brings the total number of men studying to become priests for the Archdiocese of Baltimore to 52. Our guest today is Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Roth, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about our conversation. So we've got some great news in the Archdiocese of Baltimore these days. There are 17 men in this year's seminarian class, and you have a total of 52 in the seminary program, Archdiocese? Yes. Could you tell us about that? Sure. As you mentioned, I mean, we're very, very excited. We have 17 men, uh, ranging from ages of 17 all the way up in into their mid-30s. Uh, from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of educational experiences, and all have really come forward just to say, I, I want to serve the church um, as a holy priest. And so we're really blessed in, in what is obviously a very challenging time in the church to have these men coming forward um, to want to be the future generation of priests serving this archdiocese. Um, we're just really humbled by such numbers. And this is the biggest class you've had in four decades? About that, yes. I think technically it's 36 years, but yes, uh, in many years. Why Why is that happening? Why are men drawn to the priesthood? A lot of people have asked me that, and, and I've spent some time thinking about that myself and, and most importantly praying about it. And I think it comes down to a few things. Uh, first off, I, I think as we look over the course of this year, absolutely our Catholic faithful have struggled a lot in in trying to grapple with uh, the news that, that they heard over the course of this year. But I think in the midst of that, even though they have been made aware of uh, some bad examples of, of priesthood, I think it's made them recognize and more fully appreciate the good priests that they do have serving as, as pastors, as associates, and in so many different capacities across the archdiocese. And as they've recognized that, um, I think that in a sense, they, they wanted to make sure that not only in their own lives, but in future generations, that the church in Baltimore will continue, continue to be blessed by great priests like we have right now. And so I think there's been a renewed interest in praying. Uh, just some numbers, um, we're getting ready to release the new poster and prayer cards. Uh, pastors have called in on behalf of their parishes. Uh, we've had a total of 800 posters requested and over 39,000 prayer cards. So I think prayer is up. Uh, the second thing uh, that I think is uh, is happening is um, with all the added attention to seminarians and seminaries, there's almost this expectation that as people were looking uh, more closely that they would find bad things or even bad guys. And I think what they found is that we have really high-caliber seminarians who are very talented, who could really do anything else, but they're freely choosing to live this life of, of sacrifice and service. And also we're very proud of, of our seminaries here in the Archdiocese. And so as people looked, they saw what was something that's so good and continues to be good and, and wanted uh, to be part of that. So I think all of that has, has really helped us. 
and we, we're home to the two seminaries that were the first and second founded in, in the United States. Yeah, St. Mary's in Roland Park and Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg. I, I believe three of the guys are coming from overseas, are international candidates, but the vast majority of our seminarians are homegrown. Is that right? It is, yes. And, and so we're happy to have international students because our archdiocese is very diverse, um, but we're also pleased that, that men who are native uh, to the Archdiocese of Baltimore, who have such a, a strong and ongoing connection to the Archdiocese, uh, have felt drawn to, to serve the Church in this, this very special way. What are some of the backgrounds of these guys? What professions are they coming from? Uh, what, what parishes? Are there some parishes that are producing a lot of vocations? Wow, so that's a, a great question. It's, um, it's pretty diverse. Uh, we have guys coming from all areas of the Archdiocese, west, south, uh, north, um, and backgrounds. Uh, some guys are coming in right out of high school. Uh, some have degrees. Some, uh, one seminary in particular worked for the Archdiocese of Baltimore in the development office, mm-hmm. and uh, through you know, a series of, of um, months and even years of discernment, uh, is now studying as, as, a, as a seminarian for the Archdiocese. Right. So, Are there common denominators that you're seeing with the guys that are stepping forward to explore the priesthood these days? Or They're coming from strong Catholic family backgrounds. They're also, uh, I think, strong students as well. Um, and not just students in the sense of that they are um, successful academically, but I think that they've looked at the call of priesthood. They've looked at what formation is requiring of them, and not in any type of naive way, also recognizing the challenges that entering seminary uh, involves today. And they've really said yes. They, they want to, to serve the church in, in this very courageous way. When someone approaches you and says he's thinking about becoming a priest, what steps does he go through and what kind of screening does he undergo? Sure. So if a, if a man comes forward and says, I'm really interested in, in the possibility of entering seminary, we take it by a case, on a case-by-case basis. So um, some guys, by the time they get to the vocation office, have done a lot of discernment on their own. And so what we do is we go through a series of meetings. I connect them with a spiritual director, perhaps a mentor in the archdiocese, and then their process to begin an application is a lot quicker. Um, but some guys, it may just be a month or so ago that a pastor or a friend or someone said, hey, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? And he's just started to think about it. And so the process for him in discerning before he begins an application would be a lot longer to give him a better sense of exactly um, what does this entail. But you spoke about the application it's a, a robust process, without a doubt, and I say that not to scare anyone, but to really, in a, in a sense, engender a sense of confidence in what we're doing. Uh, the application process includes not only a background check, several letters of reference, uh, an autobiography, and an essay on priesthood, but also a two-day psychological evaluation. They meet with a screening committee that's made up of both lay and clerical members within the archdiocese. Uh, and so that's it's a process that's in place that helps us to make sure that the men that are coming forward that want to serve the church and want to begin formation not only are able, but are also capable. And does the archbishop interview the candidates? Well, the archbishop is so invested in uh, our not only recruitment, and um, but also just the ongoing support of, of future vocations that he generally has met with 
an individual that's about to apply several times before the application is um, even submitted. The Archbishop is present at, at all of our vocation events, discernment retreats, um, and so many things. And then he also uh, just uh, hosted all of the newly accepted seminarians in his residence. So he got to meet um, the families of these men who are beginning formation as well. So once you begin this journey in the seminary, what does a man study? What kind of formation does he receive? And, and how long does, a, does the whole process take? So generally the seminarian will begin studying philosophy and then transition into theology. And it can take really anywhere from six or seven years all the way up uh, to nine years if uh, the seminarian is entering right after um, high school. And what I always try to mention that I think is so important when we look at formation is that the decision to apply and ultimately the decision by the archdiocese to accept um, an applicant is not to become a priest. Um, but rather it's to begin this this more um, structured, solidified process of discernment where a man commits himself to living a celibate chaste life focused on academics, spiritual life, human formation, and also pastoral experiences. And that uh, whether it's six or seven years up to nine years, it's, it's a period of ongoing discernment, uh, not just simply a, a waiting period uh, to enter into priesthood. And, and I make that qualification because I think it's important for us to recognize that as, as we look at seminarians, that they continue to discern, but also for anyone that might be listening that is considering a call that, wow, I mean, that's just such a, a high bar to jump over if you think that the decision to enter seminary is to become a priest. Uh, to me, it's almost analogous to saying, uh, I'm going to decide to marry this woman without ever having dated her. Um, but really, it's, it's the Lord calling me to take that next step, not the final step, but the next step in, in the discernment process. You've met these men and spoken with them many times. What impresses you about them? There are a lot of things. Uh, I think for me, what impresses me the most is that there are so many reasons for them to say no to make excuses that they can serve the church in other ways. But the fact that they overcome a variety of hurdles uh, some other people have placed in their way uh, for others, um, they're just personal hurdles that that they're courageously facing uh, to be the best uh, seminarians and ultimately future priests. So I think it's their courage. Um, The second thing that impresses me is their love for the church and, more importantly, their love uh, for Jesus. I think sometimes when they meet with me or, or they talk about having met with other priests that they look to us as almost the, um, the holier guys or, or the experts in, in spirituality. And, and it's really quite the contrary, at least from my perspective. Uh, I look to these guys as um, witnesses and examples uh, for me to really kind of give myself that extra nudge to, to be holier and, and to be more loving of God, uh, certainly not the reverse. Our guest today is Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Our conversation will continue in a moment after this brief break. I'm George Matisek, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Parishioners from as far away as Bowie were among the thousands of faithful who attended the second annual Faith Fest at the Hartford County Equestrian Center in Bel Air, September 14th. Hosted by the Catholic Communities in Hartford County, the afternoon event featured children's activities, including a rock wall and zip line, a dunk the seminarian booth, information tables representing area parishes, and live music, including Grammy Award-winning artist Francesca Battistelli. Archbishop William Laurie celebrated an outdoor evening mass with fireworks capping off the day's activities. 
The Archdiocese of Baltimore is presenting its third annual Rosary Congress, October 5th through the 11th, as a way of encouraging people to pray for peace, grow in faith, and develop a deeper relationship with Christ. The event commemorates the 102nd anniversary of the Blessed Virgin Mary's appearance to three small shepherd children in Fatima, Portugal. The Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Baltimore will offer masses, spiritual talks, opportunities for confession, perpetual adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and more. The Rosary will be prayed every hour on the hour. New this year, the Basilica will offer an outdoor candlelight Marian procession on October 9th at 7 p.m. Parishes including Sacred Heart in Glendon, St. Mary in Hagerstown, and St. Mark in Falston will also offer special activities during the Congress. This year, Rosary Congresses will be held in 20 dioceses in 15 states throughout the U.S. For more on the Rosary Congress, visit archbalt.org forward slash Rosary Congress. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Our guest today is Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And Father Roth, I understand you'll be soon adding the title of radio host to your duties here in the Archdiocese as a part of the program here on Catholic Baltimore. Could you tell us about that? Sure. No, I'm excited uh, to be asked to participate in this way. Um, in the next months ahead, we're going to be doing a series just really highlighting uh, the topic of vocations from a, a variety of angles, uh, hoping to really reach 
uh, people across the archdiocese, not only those who perhaps are discerning a call, but also family and friends throughout uh, the archdiocese who we equally want to reach out to as they continue to pray and support um, future vocations for the church. And what kinds of topics will you be discussing? I'm hoping to invite a lot of our seminarians. They have such phenomenal backgrounds, uh, stories, and, and insights into um, not only their lives before becoming seminarians, but they're doing remarkable things, whether it's going on mission trips or their involvement in, in parishes um, or just so many other things. And so I think that it'll be inspiring and, and really thought-provoking uh, as we listen to these guys. Mm-hmm. When you talk about a vocation or hearing a call from God, what does that mean? How does one hear a call from God? I think hearing a call is very particular to to each person. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard uh, the same story or the same experience from from any two people. But I think if if I'm to answer in a general sense, um, I would say it's really just opening your heart to God, and, and that's that can seem a bit vague, but I think what that means is really just making that intention uh, in your daily life to say, Lord, I, I want to follow whatever you are asking me. And so just putting yourself in that perspective then I think opens the person up to see, is God calling them to be perhaps um, a husband and father, a wife or mother? In those moments, then, uh, the person responds and, and can direct their life accordingly. Um, but I think the Lord often calls uh, men and women uh, to serve as, as priests or in religious life. And sometimes that call can be a little bit scarier because, granted, there are far more married people than there are clergymen and, and sisters. But I think it's it's such an important call and a life-giving call and a call that fulfills a person. And so it's so important to, to be open to that and to recognize that it's not a person that is creating these own, their own desires to, to serve the church in this way, but to recognize that the vocation uh, in and of itself is really a gift from God, that God is calling them, and the challenge is, is for each person to respond to that call. If someone is interested in religious life, it's a little bit of a different path than it is if someone is stepping forward to say, I feel God is calling me to diocesan priesthood. So if someone is called to religious life, the next step is really discerning what charism they they really feel most drawn to, whether it's a charism for the poor or teaching or preaching, um, what type of community are they interested in living in. And then in that, we try to direct them then to a variety of different religious communities where then that particular community journeys with them to, to further discern. But if a person is desirous of diocesan priesthood, then that's really, I would say, the, the forte of my office and the associate vocation directors that work in this office. Um, and what we try to do is to, number one, help them to be open uh, to God's call, to definitely um, incorporate this into their prayer life. That's that's fundamental and, and foundational. And so we try to connect them with the spiritual director, also um, help them to uh, continue to be involved, or if they haven't been involved yet, to get involved in, in their parish. And then lastly, uh, to participate in different events that we have throughout the year. One of our biggest is a discernment retreat in January, where it's a group of guys that get together that are all wrestling with that same question. Is God calling me to, to enter seminary? This last winter when we had this retreat, it helped so many guys answer that question. And the goal is not that everyone answers yes, um, because the goal really is to help guys to recognize where the Lord is calling them. And so if the Lord is calling them to be good husbands and fathers, well, the last thing that I want to do is stand in the way of that. Um, But if the Lord is calling them to be a priest, 
then uh, I really want to help um, support them and have the courage to say yes to that. And this discernment retreat and other experiences where they're with other guys, uh, again, in the, in the same scenario of uh, wrestling with, is the Lord calling me to this? Um, that sense of support and familiarity uh, really helps them. What kinds of programs does your office offer to help people through the discernment process? So we do a, a few things. So for the high school students, we offer a Quavadas camp that runs uh, generally the end of July, and it's a few days where it's um, a balance of, of prayer, athletics, and uh, some reflective talks, just really really trying to um, help them to, to grow in holiness and, and to see how they can be uh, men of holiness um, in responding to God's call. We also have different events throughout the year. We had the Monsignor Valenzano Award that um, honored men who were serving as altar servers or as sacristans to, to honor their service. We'll be doing something similar now in the fall to honor the girls who serve in that same capacity. Um, and we just do other events throughout the year that just really try to get people to, to at least get that in the forefront of their mind of really where is God calling me? Sometimes we find that so many people are busy that they just jump right into college, into majors, without even really thinking of that really fundamental question, where is God calling me? I know there are some parishes, including the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen and the Basilica downtown, that offer adoration with the intent of praying for vocations. What impact does adoration have in fostering vocations, either for the person considering a vocation or someone praying for vocations? We absolutely see uh, not only that men are highly motivated um, by being in Eucharistic adoration and drawing closer to the Lord in that very uh, special hour of adoration, but also so much power has been felt by men and women who are praying for vocations. It has changed the hearts and minds of some families who have been um, hesitant to encourage uh, their son to enter seminary. It has um, just enlivened people to be more uh, supportive and generous in, in so many ways to, to encourage vocations, vocations in the archdiocese. In speaking with seminarians and priests over the years, one, one common thing that I hear that comes up is sometimes parents are reluctant to allow their children or encourage their children to pursue religious life. What would you say to parents who might want that grandchild or, or have other reasons, or maybe because of the sex abuse scandal, they're reluctant to let their son explore the priesthood? What, what would you say to that parent? I think, first of all, I would recognize that I fully understand that parents have expectations for grandchildren or perhaps uh, people have been, not perhaps, I realize that people definitely have been scandalized by a lot of the news that we've heard. But I would encourage them that to bring that, uh, whether it's to their pastor, um, I'm always open to having a conversation about it, that don't just assume that you already have the answers to these questions. And, and I don't say that, please hear it, not in a condescending way, but to re- at least be open to have a, having a conversation and a dialogue. Uh, I can say even from my own experience, my family had expectations for grandchildren. Um, even though my mom and dad uh, raised us in the Catholic faith and we were very active in our parish, uh, when I first mentioned that I, w- I was interested in entering the seminary, 
uh, my family even had some some very false impressions, even some things uh, that that may seem trivial, but uh, were important in in that moment for my family, where I think they thought that I was entering into this um, cloistered monastery that I would never be able to see them again, or um, that I would never be able to watch television. And again, they may seem like silly examples, but some of those things can really be hurdles that prevent. Uh, families from supporting uh, their sons or brothers in in discerning this call. So uh, I guess to me it's just a very long way of saying that if a family member or a friend has questions, doubts, or concerns, um, just really to to ask the Lord to have that courage to take the next step and and ask to have a conversation about those worries. What's the single thing that people can do to help support religious vocations? I think encourage. Uh, And that may seem... Uh, a bit broad again, but I think encourage whether it's uh, a brother or a son to say, hey, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? I really see these strong qualities in you that perhaps are leading to priesthood. Also, just again, try to have a a strong connection with uh, the priests that are in your lives. Invite them over for dinner, invite them to uh, a football game or or to, you know, to watch a movie. Uh, That familiarity with the priest to to see them as real people, as ordinary guys, uh, I think helps that discernment process. Our guest has been Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Roth, thanks for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. For more information about vocations in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, visit archbalt.org. Again, that's archbalt.org. And click on the Vocations tab at the top of the page. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.